You're in for a real treat today. Would you please stand and welcome my good friend, Jeff Taylor. Come on, give him a big hand. You can be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Family Feud. I'm your, I'm your guest, Steve Harvey. How many love Family Feud again? I mean, I watch Steve Harvey. I could watch him all the time. But how many had just came out of Family Feud and it wasn't Steve Harvey? <laughs> you, you were in the holiday season, and so you realize why you don't spend a lot of time with certain members of your family. There are certain people that, you know, you just like... Now I know why. It was last Christmas since the last time I saw you. I don't like you a whole lot, but I'm stuck with you. I got to buy you something. How many buy? I, we buy gifts, you know, at Christmas time for people we don't even spend time with. Oh, maybe you don't. Maybe you got away with it. I, I'm stuck buying stuff for people. I, why, why are we buying this for this person? I mean, there are people that are closer to me that I am not buying gifts for, and I'm buying one for this because they're in because, oh, they're family. <laughs> but how many understand that that's, that's what church is? That's what church is. Church is family. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. What I don't like is I don't like the gangs being more a sense of family than church. Right. Now, you got to be jumped into a, you got to go through an initiation to get into a gang. Here, you just got to be baptized, you know. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, some people, they think, well, you know, that, that's what church should be. And how many understand that what should separate us is not how, our number, how big our numbers are. What should separate us and what should make a note of who we are is not because the way we drive or the way we live or just the way, just the way we, we are accustomed. The, Jesus said the distinguishing feature that would separate us from the world is our love for one another. Now, now that kind of that gets strained because how many understand who the most selfish person is in the house? The youngest one. <laughs> now, here's the deal. And the younger they are, the more selfish they are. You get these babies, and it's all about them. You know, you, 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 there are no mothers in here? Come on. Every baby, it doesn't matter if they don't, re they don't consider how little sleep you've got, how exhausted you are, how much you've already done for them, bringing them into the world, changing their diapers, feeding them just a few hours ago, and now they're negotiating again. And they're, they, they are excellent negotiators. They keep at it, consistent and long-suffering negotiators. They're going to continue negotiating until they get what they want. They are completely selfish. But the deal is, how many understand that's what sometimes families are? If we're not careful, what, what, what differentiates you from being a baby versus having to be an adult is your ability to handle responsibility and your ability to delay gratification. You think about that. If you can't delay gratification, you're probably narcissistic. If it's always got to be your way, God help you. Because the deal is, is that he don't even give it to you always your way. 
Now, there's only two places you're going to get your way. Well, you can order it your way one place. You can order it. It doesn't mean you're going to get it that way. You can order it your way. But then the other way, the only way you're going to get everything you want is when you're alone. So if you're alone and you're not connected to anybody, you can have it your way. Some people, I, I, I'm, just more, I'm just better off with my pet than I am with people. That says a lot about you. I just, I like my cat more than I like people. Well, that's not about, that's not an, that's not an injunction against people. That's kind of like a confession. How many can, can't say amen because you're sitting by one that's just like that? So the deal is, is that how many understand that relationships are sticky? Relation, that what we do is we, now, as long as I don't know your quirks, I'm okay with you having quirks, right? right? But the more I know your quirks, the more I'm like, get irritated with your quirks because it doesn't suit my quirks because we all got them. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you in spite of your quirks. How many know we all got them? Yeah. And the only one that's saying I'm not is the one that's not aware. <laughs> I don't have any quirks. What are you talking about? Yeah, you just don't know yourself. Now, here's the deal is that God accepts us both our strengths and our quirks. And that's what we're looking for in love is an acceptance of I'm, I've got some areas that I'm doing pretty good at, but there's other areas that I'm still working on. But if you will just be patient with me, I'm still under construction. I, I still got some things I'm trying to work out with me, let alone you trying to work it out in me. You see what I'm saying? And that sense of family is what, what will cause the world to look into, into our world and go, we don't understand that. You know why? Because they don't have that kind of love. Because when you accepted Christ, he just infused you with the ability to love a supernatural way. He gave you the, the ability to love people regardless of how goofy they are. He gave you the ability to love people because your love is no longer based on their performance or compliance. Your love for them is based upon that's who you choose to be. Does that make sense? So turn to your neighbor now and say, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> which tells me this, guys, listen real carefully, which tells me this. If I truly love you and there's nothing you can do about it, I cannot be offended I cannot be offended because I'm not looking to you to meet my need or to live up to an expectation that I might have. I'm going to love you in spite of you disappointing me. I'm going to love you in spite of you betraying me. I'm going to, because here's the deal. The world can love the people that love them. Jesus says, I got something new I want to submit to you. You're going to love your enemies. Say what? Matter of fact, you're going to bless those that persecute you and despitefully hate you. Like, what? You're going to love your in-laws. 
You know, behind every successful man, there's a surprise mother-in-law. <laughs> but here's the deal, is that we love not because of what someone does for us. We love because of what Jesus supplied in us in order to love that person regardless of what they did to not deserve that love. Because we got a love that we did not deserve. We received the love that we did not reserve. So if, we're, if we, as a reflection of that love, constantly are holding off people, getting offended, leaving church because, well, they don't do it the way I want them to do it. Well, there's options. You can start your own and then offend everybody else that comes to your church. I love, I love when people say, I can't go to that church anymore. I, they just, I, I just can't handle that. Why? Well, they, I'm just offended. Why don't you start your own? You ever thought about that? Yeah, I kind of have thoughts to thought about it. Try it. You'll never be offended again. Amen? That's one of the options. Anyway, there's several others, but we got to get into what we need to get into. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. I got something that I, I do have from the Lord. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am one of, I am Kevin Cooley. Pastor Kevin Cooley is my best friend, and he's my best, and I'm, he just confessed that I am his best friend. He has got a nose for best friends, so... I, I, this weekend, I have been enriched with plenty of material about noses. Um, yeah, nobody knows. The, I was singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I was just, wow, this is really... Anyway, so the point being, now, the reason that we're best friends, the reason that... I, I, I kind of give you a clue. Now, those of you that have been... How many have been coming here for years and you've heard me before? Yeah. All right. Well, about five of you. Oh, praise God. Well, uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, what really attracted, I guess, uh, what uh, caused us to hit it off was our love for pranks. <laughs> we pulled a prank in this guy's wedding. I was the instigator. He was the executor. And that's how we became best friends, is that we love pranking. And so all of a sudden that led to 27, 28 years of what can we do next? So the deal is, is that that's one of, that's one of the many reasons I, I, I do uh, have a lot of respect for you. your pastor. What a, what a great guy, a, a great leader, a great husband, a great father. Uh, I, saw Gav, I saw Garrison in the first service. Gar, Gavin's here. Uh, love this family. Love this family. They're stuck. I'm family. You can choose your friends. You're stuck with family. But uh, I, I just want you, to, uh, want you to know, I really, really love these guys and uh, appreciate it. And uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get into what the Lord has for me. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, this is your first time hearing me, it's, it's I'm safe. I'm, I'm a safe guy. <laughs> I was born on a Thursday. I was in a Pentecostal church that next Sunday because they told me, not because I remember. That's my whole testimony. I, uh, I'm a pew baby, a church kid. I grew up in church. Uh, I, was, I was actually born, I know some of you are, have had thug life in here, but I was born in Compton. So don't, don't bring that stuff to me. I was but I was straight out at two years old. 
I'm, I'm serious. I was born and I was born in Compton, born in Dominguez Valley Hospital, and they, uh, and and we moved to Oregon about two years later. But uh, uh, I was a church kid, pew baby. Uh, I don't have a deliverance testimony in the sense of going out in the world and finding all of the things that sin has to offer. I don't have that deliverance testimony from that standpoint of going out in the world. I have a different testimony. I have a, a deliverance testimony, but it's also a keeping testimony. I've been, I've been in the house. I don't remember uh, the first time I went to church. I don't, rem I don't remember ever not knowing God. I've always known the voice of God. I've always known Him, and His dealings with my, on my life have been strong. And so my, my sur first surrender initially was at seven years old that I made a personal declaration, a personal decision to surrender my life. And I have made many, many, many thousands of those surrenderings throughout the course of my life. Uh, again, this morning, I surrendered. said, Lord, I don't ever want you to ever think that I think I can do this without you. I don't ever want to allow my experience or my conditioning to be the guide for what I do. Because without him, Jesus said this, without him, I can do nothing. And I want to take and adopt that same ideology and mentality and perception that I don't think I can do this without him. Amen. If I do that, I, 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 I can offer you nothing because Jeff Taylor offers nothing. He has, has nothing in which he can offer you. But I know someone who does. Amen. And all I'm doing is giving the slowest person enough time to find Hebrews chapter 10. <laughs> And if you haven't found it by now, there's not a likelihood that you're going to find it. <laughs> so Hebrews chapter 10, uh, I do, uh, the, the dealings of God that have been on my life have been, uh, for the last 20 some years, have been of a very, very prophetic nature. Now understand prophets are different. You have different kinds of prophets. Even in the Old Testament, you had different kinds of prophets. You had the prophets that some, some had miracles in their ministry, some, ha some spoke. Uh, by prophetic utterance, they'd say, thus saith the Lord, and they would see. And you had, you had strange prophets. You had, you had prophets going and burying their underwear miles away for some strange reason as a prophetic picture. If you don't know that story, you need to look that one up. He, he goes in, right? He goes and buries his underwear. And another guy just stood around in the street naked. Thank God I'm not that prophet. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's the best amen I've got all morning long. <laughs> but the deal is, is that there are different kinds of prophets. So Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets. Yet we, had, we have no miracles and we never hear him say, thus saith the Lord, other than the fact that he says the one that's coming after me is the one was preferred before me. And he said he was the greatest. But you got Isaiah, who's preaching, who's basically prophesying to a lot of kings, people in, in high-profile, uh, influential positions. You've got Jeremiah that sat in a room and prophesied, and Baruch just wrote his stuff down. You've got Elijah, which is a miracle, kind of the whole calling down, you know, calling down fire and you know, rebelling against the corrupt system of, of, uh, of a waywardness in government. Uh, you've got Elisha that was even a greater healing, uh, miracle kind of prophet. Well, uh, you know, and, and so you, what I'm saying is there's a wide range of kinds of prophets. So I, what, how this thing works with me 
is that I see things. I, I, I get to see things, and what I see, sometimes I see things on people. Sometimes I see things within a body. Sometimes, it's like, if I could describe it like this, I go into a room, and I describe things that are in that room. If, that's, if you've never been in that room, that's the way it works with me. That's the best way I know how to categorize or give you a picture of how this thing works with me. Spiritually, it's I, I see things, and it's not that an imagination. I go in there, I see things, and I don't address everything I see because it's not right for me to do that. Just because I see it doesn't mean I have to say it. Unless the Lord taps me on the shoulder and says, I need you to minister to someone. As a matter of fact, there's someone here that right now on this side of the, on this side of the room that you've been dealing with uh, severe and chronic headaches. So much to the point that it sent you home from work. It sent you, uh, you're, you're, you've been dealing it with for years and they are not, they're not exactly sure of all the reasons why. They're trying to tie it to lots of different things. But if you'll stand up right now, the Lord wants to heal you right now of those problems. Is that you? All right. All those things that I mentioned, that, that all that fits your bill. Have I ever met you? Did you surrender any card or anything that says I have this problem and I, you know, there's no way I could know that, right? So I want a couple of you believers that are standing around her, if you don't mind, I'm going to just have them place their hand on you as a point of contact, all right? I don't want to, I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable or try to find, isolate you. Really what I'm after is I'm after your healing. I really don't, I'm not, I, I really, I really don't care how uncomfortable you are as long as you walk out of here changed. Is that cool? All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your healing power that from this moment forward, you're changing the chemical imbalance in this woman's body and that you're, you're helping her body to manage the, the nutrients that she provides in her diet, as well as changing things that have been genetically, even from her family that have been passed down, that you're changing that thing right now in her system, that her system from this moment forward is changed by your spirit for your glory. And Lord, right now, her life no longer gets to be the same, no longer do headaches get to come and go as they please? She tells them when to stop. And we thank you. We give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can you give the Lord a praise offering for that? Hallelujah. All right, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's get to it. I got 16 minutes to get this done. And I, I'm telling you, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. And all those that are laughing are the older ones. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. Look here at verse number 23. So at the last, the, at the, the last quarter of 2018, there was something revealed to me. And I want you to see this scripture here. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our, of our hope without wavering. The King James Version says faith. But here the New King James Version says our hope without wavering wavering for he who promised is faithful he says let us hold fast the confession so something was revealed to me the last quarter 
uh, around the middle of October. I had just come back from the Philippines. Matter of fact, I'm going back to the Philippines in February. We had some amazing miracles that happened in the Philippines. When I returned back from the Philippines, I began to understand that there was going to be... I, I, I don't know how much everyone here understands spiritual warfare in the sense that there is a supernatural kingdom. There are two kingdoms. There's a spirit, there's the, the kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness. And these are constantly clashing. Now, you, anyone that tells you that they are in an everyday, all together, all battle, every single day, every single day they're in a constant battle, is either crisis oriented and has no idea about how the kingdom of darkness works. Because the kingdom of darkness does not come every single day. If you've got problems every single day, that's not the devil. Sorry for the bad news, but it's not the devil. It's wrong habits. <laughs> but here's the deal, is that there are times where the kingdom of darkness mounts an attack. It mounts an attack. And what it's after, it is after what you're hoping for. It is interested in dashing everything that God has promised you or Jesus paid to give you. God has called you to have, an, have a life of purpose, a life of distinction. He has called you to a life of significance. And the deal is, is that God wants you to fulfill his purpose in your life. How many, how many agree with that? So the attack, the attack that comes, comes in the form of circumstances, situations that try to predict to you that what was promised to you will not happen or will be taken away from you. He says here in verse 23, there's something out there trying to get after what you are saying about what you have and what you're called to do. He is saying there's something that is trying to alter what you say about what has been provided for you and what God has called you to. And he said, let us, because otherwise there's no reason to say let us hold fast. If he says hold fast, there's something trying to get you to release your grip on it. And he's saying, we don't need you to release your grip. We need you to strengthen your grip on what you said. Now, here's the deal. He says, you need to hold fast during the storm. You need to hold fast during the test. You need to hold fast during when it doesn't feel right to be holding on to something. Because what human nature does is that we say what we're going through. We talk what we're going through. We call things that are as though they are. We say what it is. Now, here's the deal. He is saying, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Watch this. Without wavering. Wavering comes because, guys, if you're in a court of law uh, and you're called to a court of law, any lawyers in here? Any lawyers in here? One lawyer. All right. Uh, any other lawyers? Just one lawyer. All right. So we only have one lawyer. Uh, but I know you. I know Heather. Uh, she does not do courtroom kind of thing. But if you're ever called to court as a witness, you're called to maybe you saw something. And so the one side or the other 
calls you to testify of what you've seen or what you've experienced or you're called to be an expert witness due to your research. The deal is, is that when you're called, you're asked a series of questions about your testimony. You give that confession, you give that testimony of it. But the other side is going to cross-examine. The cross-examination is intended for what purpose? Huh? Not to just prove you're lying, but the whole intent is to introduce an element of And the whole cross-examination that the devil does through tests, trials, and temptation is to get you to introduce a measure of doubt that he's really not going to heal you. He's going to introduce a measure of doubt that he's really not going to cause what he told you to happen in private to happen publicly. What he's going to tell you is that you're really not loved. What these circumstances are going to get you to doubt is that you're never going, you really aren't that significant. Nobody can say amen there because you're still pondering it. Because here's the deal. Guys, when he does this cross-examination, he's after to get you to be quiet. He's not interested in you just saying the wrong thing. If he can't get you to say the wrong thing, if the enemy of your soul can't get you to align with saying the wrong thing, he'll just settle for you saying nothing at all. He, if you could just release your grip on your confession and just say nothing, he'll settle for that. Because your saying is a proactive force moving in the direction to continue to give God room to work by. You hear me? So here's the deal. Here's what the Lord revealed to me. He said in, the, in this first quarter, up until about April or May, there's going to be this attack. I know that's not good news. I know that's not what you come. But here's the deal. Is if you understand now what's coming, you'll be prepared for it. Here's what I love about God. He said he would show you things to come. He said that when the Spirit comes, he'll show you things to come. And a lot of us, what we think, we contextualize that and say, oh, he's going to show me all the good things. But how many know you'd like to know that there's, there's, there's trouble coming? How many don't mind the, the, the weatherman saying, hurricane's coming? Why? Why do you want to know that? So you can prepare. Because you don't want to be in the middle of the hurricane putting boards on your house. If you're not already on I-85 out of town, it's too late. You better batten down the hatches, right? Now, here's the deal. It's the same thing if you were in school. If you were going to, if you were administered the test and they said, oh, we didn't know there was a test today. Well, guess what? You got your test. Well, I haven't studied. Well, if you start cramming in the middle of the test, how, how well do you think you're going to do on that test? As contradicted versus if you had been able to know there was a test coming and you'd been given some room to prepare for it. How many don't want to have that grade for the pop quiz? So here's the deal. The Lord is telling us in the first of this year, there's going to be an opportunity for us to doubt. There's going to be an opportunity. There's going to be some things that may happen that are not going to go our way. And we might cry and negotiate and scream and kick and why me and why is this? 
and all you're doing is feeding into the very thing that the devil doesn't want, and that is feeling sorry for yourself, feeling weak, feeling broken, feeling helpless, feeling like you had no choice. Here's the deal. You make a decision today that you're not the broke trying to get wealthy. You're not the sick trying to get well. You're not the unloved trying to find love. You're not the fearful trying to get victory. You're not, you are complete in Him and you're dealing with the circumstances that are trying to come against what God's already given to you. The Lord spoke to me something a few, a few months ago, and I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, and if, I, I really like for you to put this somewhere where you can go back and ponder it. The Lord said, to the, he, he said this to me. He said, my people hope in terms of manifestation, but I deal in terms of power. He said, my people, my people hope in terms of manifestation, but I deal in terms of power. I'll say it one more time so you can finish the sentence. My people hope in terms of manifestation, but I deal in terms of power. Oh, I hope this blesses you. Because here's the deal. When we are expecting, when we find a promise in the word, when we're, when we're experiencing maybe a test or trial in our, in, in our life, whether it's physical, relational, financial, whatever it is, we, we go, and here's what we do. We go back to the promise, and we get all the promises, and we rehearse the promise, rehearse the promise, rehearse the promise. And here's what the expectation is. If I rehearse this promise enough, if I talk about this, if I, if I get enough of the scriptures, and I, and I lay them all out, and I go back over the scriptures, and I get all the promises, if I get all the promises, then that's going to give me an opportunity to have victory. Here's the deal. What we determine victory is the actual alleviation of the circumstances. But that's not what God determines as victory. We think in terms of manifestation. We hope in terms of manifestation. In other words, if I'm, let me give you an example. If I'm sick, we think um, what God wins, when God wins is when, my, when I stop hurting or when, that, when the sickness is gone. That's we hope in terms of manifestation. But he says, I deal in terms of power. Some of you that are wrestling with sin, he said, to them he said, that receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. He gave you power. He didn't just forgive you of your sin. He gave you power to rule sin. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So I don't have to, I don't have to, wrestle with the argument, uh, my body wants to do this. No, I already settled it. Sin has no place in me anymore. Jesus paid too high a price to get it out of me. So I have no, it has no power over me. He gave me power over sin. Y'all, y'all, y'all with me? Now here's the deal. Most of us, we want healing, but we don't, we, he doesn't give just healing manifestation. He gives healing power. Some of us are we're, we're, we're waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting on God. No, no, no. God already released the power. If you if you'll start considering the power, that power will drive out sickness and disease out of your system. 
We think of breakthrough is when we get the check or get the bonus, get the raise or get the money. We get the money and we get that check. That's, 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 the, that's, that's what we've been hoping for. Here's the deal. is what you've been hoping for. He said, that check is just a temporary thing. How many know you're going to need some more after that one? So the deal is, is that that's not going to be good enough. It might be good enough for the temporary, but here's the deal. If you have power, then it's not regulated to just one manifestation. Ooh, I hope you're getting this. Remember what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 18? Behold, I give you power to obtain wealth. I'd rather have power than manifestation. Because if I have manifestation, I've got a temporary relief of my circumstances. But if I have power, if I have manifestation, i got temporary relief. If I have power, I have a lifelong way of living. Y'all got quiet on me. You must be thinking about this. Because here's the deal. You're assessing where have I left off power versus in my hopes for manifestation. Here's the deal. If you'll, now, here's, here's what happens. When you're in the middle of this, one of the things that's very difficult, you, one of the things that's very difficult is for you to continue to go back and forth about the promise. Promise, promise. I need the promise. Let's bring that scripture up one more time. Here, he said, this is where you get your strength to, ho to hold fast to your confession. He said, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Well, how am I going to do that? By not rehearsing the promise, but rehearsing the reliability of the one who made the promise. Because every promise is only as good as the credibility of the one who made it. I don't know if it's helping you, but I, I helped myself just a minute ago. <laughs> Listen, he's got a reputation for 6,000 years. He'd been faithful over his word, faithful over his word, faithful over his word, faithful to those who diligently seek him, faithful to those that love him, those that walk uprightly before him, those that will hold fast to his, hold fast to what he says. If you will do your part... He is faithful, and he's not going to ruin 6,000-year resume on your situation. I know I, got, I want significance, but I ain't that significant. I'm not going to alter his credit over one little situation. You ready for this? God wants to invade your temporary with his power to give you something eternal. Amen. He gave you power, all right? Now, here's the deal. When you get into this, when you experience bad news, be very careful on what you say on the beginning of it. And remember what the Bible said in James? He said, your tongue is like the rudder to a ship. You know you still steer in the middle of a storm? Just because you, start, you, don't, you don't leave the wheel, you keep steering in the middle of that storm. Matter of fact, it's more important to be steering in the middle of the storm than it is when it's not storming. Because you have to position yourself in that storm. Here's the deal. Your tongue positions yourself in your storm. 
And that storm is not bigger than the faithfulness of your God. That test, that sickness, that challenge, someone betraying you, someone hurting you, someone doing something to you that is unthinkable is not bigger than the faithfulness of God to give you. You are complete in Him. And He will make sure that even when that is, even when that is challenged, that He'll be faithful to make sure that that stays in place if you'll hold fast to your confession. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask you to do something a little uncomfortable. I want you to take the hand of the person that's next to you. I want you to make a big prayer chain. Make a big prayer chain across this church. Just hold hands with somebody. This gives all the single people someone to hold hands with. <laughs> Don't blame me for where you sat now. I'll pick you out another better seat next time. When Jeff Taylor comes, you know you're going to have to hold hands at some point. So... Be strategic. <laughs> I want us to do something. I want, to I want us to invest our faith in the person that we have a hold of their hand. You may know them very well. You may not know them at all. You may know them casually. Whatever it is, we're going to invest our faith in that individual right now. And here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray the same thing for them that Jesus prayed for Peter. Jesus prayed for Peter, knowing that a time of test, knowing that a time of temptation was coming to Peter, he said, I'm, I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. I prayed for you, Peter. So I want you to pray for the person. I want you to pray two things for them. I want you to pray that they would be strengthened as to what God has provided them, the power. And I also want you to pray that their faith would not fail. I want you to say that phrase just the same way that Jesus said, that I'm going to pray that their faith fail not. God, I'm asking you to help my, that their faith would not fail, that they would not cast away their confidence in times of trial. Would you do that? Would you do that right now? Would you just ask the Lord to strengthen them inwardly in their inner man with his might, strengthen them that he would, that their faith would fail not and that they would hold on to their confidence. Would you do that? Would you just continue to ask the Lord and invite the Lord to do something in them on a personal level that would see that, make them see themselves as complete, empowered, strong, capable, that they are people of destiny, that they are people of purpose that today God has made his promise real again by being faithful to them Lord we thank you for your faithfulness we bless you we magnify you we worship you now Lord strengthen them may their faith fail not and may they not cast away their confidence but to continue to hold you as faithful in their life do you believe what you prayed do you believe God heard you do you believe God will do that in their life? How will you praise God when, when their faith stands in the midst of trial? How would you praise it? Let's give the Lord a praise offering right now. For the victory in them. For the victory in their life. Yeah. Hallelujah. We win. We win.